Hey, I'm Dr. Michael Hunter, forensic pathologist from Autopsy, Reels Channel's medical mystery series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to download the Podcast One app and subscribe. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, to find more programs like this one on Reels Channel. Fans around the world are mourning the death and celebrating the life of Lucille Ball. The face of comedian Lucille Ball is said to have been seen by more people worldwide than any other. Lucy was way more than a TV star. Lucille Ball is an American institution. Her glittering career spanned over half a century. But it was her TV show, I Love Lucy, that made her a global phenomenon. We weren't really in awe of her. We just loved her. But behind the Hollywood glamour lay heartache. Desi, he was a creep. And ill health. Oh my God, is this woman going to die with me there? Am I going to be on the Daily News tomorrow? On the morning of April 26, 1989, Lucille Ball died in a Los Angeles hospital at the age of 77. Lucille Ball's death certificate says she died of a rupture of the aorta, a life-ending tear of the largest artery in the human body. This is incredibly rare and even more mysterious given the fact that reports suggest she was in great shape just weeks before her death. So what was going on inside Lucille Ball's body that led to this catastrophic failure? world-renowned medical examiner and forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter has conducted thousands of autopsies. Collaborating closely with law enforcement and other forensic specialists, his pivotal role in investigating suspicious cases has revealed the truth behind mysterious deaths for over 20 years. Lucille Ball's cause of death is stated on her death certificate as an acute rupture of the aorta. This tells me how she died, but not what led to such extensive damage to this critical blood vessel. I'm going to investigate every aspect of Lucille's life in forensic detail using her death certificate, medical documents, and first-hand accounts to discover the secret killer of this Hollywood icon. May 1st, 1988. Just less than one year before her death, Lucille Ball is backstage, getting ready to appear on a tribute show for comedian Bob Hope. Lucy and Bob Hope were friends and co-stars in so many movies, you know, and they, they, they really had a long history together. This Lucille Ball. I thought it was amazing for a woman her age to be that full of energy. She looked gorgeous. She, you know, had these incredible legs. And she was so graceful. When you talk about hard work and talent and scope, comedy is Bob Hope.
After the show, Lucille tries to relax with her second husband, Gary Morton, but she's suffering from recurring headaches. When she put this wig on, which had netting attached to it, it sort of like pulled up her skin and pulled her in, and she would say, the goddamn wig is giving me a goddamn headache. Lucille regularly takes aspirin for the pain. It's possible that Lucille's headache could have been due to the tight wig she wore. According to reports, she would give herself a temporary facelift by pulling and taping her skin under her wig, which does sound painful and could cause her to have a headache. However, this pain would be temporary, and on the surface, there certainly doesn't seem to be much else wrong with her. Looking at the footage from her dance routine at the Bob Hope tribute show in 1988, She's mobile, active, and appears incredibly well for a 76-year-old. However, the fact she'd be dead just one year later leads me to ask, could her headaches be more than simply pain from her wig? Are these an indicator of more significant underlying health issues? Lucille Ball was born in 1911 in Jamestown, New York, to Henry Ball, and his wife, Dee Dee. Her father died when she was three, and so she didn't know him at all. She had no conscious memory of him. Lucille's mother remarried and had to move away from her children for work, leaving Lucille to live in poverty with her step-grandparents. It was devastating to her to be away from her mother. I don't know that she ever really recovered from it. During her teenage years, Lucille had discovered a love for performing in the chorus line of a local theater production. When she was reunited with her mother and younger brother, the family scraped enough money together to send her to drama school. But it didn't work out. The school sent a letter to her mother saying that she was wasting her time and money, that Lucille would never really amount to anything as a performer. Lucille wanted to prove her doubters wrong. She started working as a model, and then in 1933, at the age of 22, movie producer Sam Goldwyn needed a chorus girl for the movie Roman Scandals. Lucille, who would ultimately become famous for being a redhead, dyed her natural chestnut hair blonde and moved to Hollywood for her big break. This was a woman of high ambition and determination, which she had all her life. She was a massive success and went on to appear in 43 films in the next seven years, moving up from bit parts to leading lady. In 1940, Lucille met Cuban musician Desi Arnaz on a movie set. It was like, wow. I mean, this was instant interest. It was sort of like love at first sight. And they married shortly thereafter. They eloped uh, to Connecticut and got married. In 1951, a radio show that Lucille had starred in was picked up for television. It became the iconic situation comedy, I Love Lucy.
I Love Lucy, it changed the course of the world. <laughs> it topped the ratings for four seasons and peaked at over 70% of American families tuning in to the antics of Lucille's character, Lucy Ricardo. The public just loved her character, and they took her to heart, and they just, they wanted this character in their life. Lucille and Desi were soon running one of the biggest studios in Hollywood, Desilu. As well as bringing up their children, Lucy and Desi Jr., While juggling life as a studio executive, wife, and mother, Lucille became arguably the most successful comedian in history. In her 50-year career, she starred in over 80 movies and over 500 TV shows. Where have you been? Oh, everywhere. This certainly has been a busy morning. I can see from personal testimonies that Lucia was prescribed the drug Dexedrine. This is a powerful stimulant and can be highly addictive. Dexedrine is an amphetamine, also known as speed, uppers, or pep pills. It works by stimulating the central nervous system, which increases the heart rate, making the user feel more alert, energetic, and focused. With a young family to care for and an impossible work schedule, it seems Lucille needed some help. Really surprising to find that Dexedrine pillbox in her, in her medicine cabinet, but there it was. You know, I was familiar with Dexedrine. Who hadn't tried Dexedrine? <laughs> but Lucy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that was, it was a surprise. Dexedrine was readily available and would allow Lucille to keep up her energy for work. I think you need to remember where this woman came from. She was so poor that nothing's secure. So I need to be able to control as much as I can what's around me because it actually feels very precarious. And so we begin to see kind of a very strong work ethic developing in her from quite a young age. If Lucille was addicted to Dexedrine, this would have had a significant impact on her heart by artificially speeding it up, which could have effectively worn it out. However, there are no reports of Lucille using the drug in her later years. And so any damage to the heart could have been repaired naturally. So I think Dexedrine had no direct effect on her death. I wonder, did Lucille Ball have other vices later in life that pushed her towards the catastrophic aortic rupture that led to her death? On April 26, 1989, TV giant Lucille Ball died in a hospital in Los Angeles. Now, 
world-renowned medical examiner and forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is investigating the death of America's most beloved comedian. Lucille Ball's cause of death was a rupture of her aorta, the main artery that carries blood from her heart to the body. So far, I've discovered that Lucy was prescribed the drug Dexedrine, but because there's no evidence of her taking it in her later years, I don't think this had a major impact on her heart. But I have found something that might have. Alcohol. May 2nd, 1988. It's just less than a year before Lucille's death. And she's toasting her success at last night's Bob Hope Show with second husband, Gary Morton. Lucy liked to drink a lot. She liked her vices. We would make her a slushy, which sounded like it didn't have booze, but it did have triple sec and tequila. It was really a frozen margarita. Alcohol can increase blood pressure, which is one of the most important risk factors in having heart problems. And it's clear from her death certificate that Lucille did have high blood pressure, also known as hypertension. Alcohol makes the blood vessels relax, causing a drop in blood pressure. The heart has to work harder to maintain blood flow to the essential organs, which ultimately increases the pressures. I can see from personal accounts that Lucille also enjoyed alcohol early in her life. Could years of abuse have damaged her heart? Chloe? Chloe, that's right. During the mid-1950s, Lucille and Desi's media empire, Desilu Productions, continued to grow rapidly. Lucy, besides changing the face of television, broke the glass ceiling for women in, in the business. Being the first woman head of a studio. She was a trailblazer, and she was a first of, of in many, many ways. With success came pressure, and Lucille and Desi would use alcohol to unwind together. But behind the facade of their on and off screen marriage, there were problems. Desi was a serial womanizer. You know, his excuse to her was he was Latin, and that's what they did, and it didn't matter that he screwed around. He loved her, and he'll always love her. Desi's infidelities eventually became too much. The straw that broke the camel's back in that marriage was when Desi was written up in Hollywood Confidential. There was Desi, and they said he'd gone to a prostitute. She, she couldn't go on. And so that was the end of the marriage. She had to divorce him, but I don't think she ever stopped loving him. In 1961, just 18 months after her divorce, Lucille married comedian Gary Morton. 
with a family and the film studio empire to look after. She couldn't let alcohol take over her life. Lucy was not a drunk, no. Drinking wasn't a, an important part in her life. I think the appeal of alcohol wouldn't have been there. You know, this isn't something appealing because it's about losing control. It's about letting go. I think it speaks to her her need to ensure that she's in the driver's seat when it comes not just to her career but to her life as well. If alcohol was not a major part of Lucille's life, there must have been another reason for the hypertension or high blood pressure mentioned in her death certificate. From both archive and first-hand accounts, it's clear that Lucille Ball was a smoker. She was really addicted to cigarettes, definitely. Cigarette maker Philip Morris was a sponsor of I Love Lucy, and their product featured in the show, as Lucille was encouraged to smoke their brand. Vintage tobacco is richer, finer, more flavorful. When Lucy smoked, nobody knew that you could die of lung cancer or emphysema from smoking. Lucille tried to quit smoking for good in the 80s, but it wasn't successful. I couldn't get Lucy to give up smoking. I knew it was so crucial to to her health. She had cigarettes everywhere. Part of her life, you know. Reports suggest Lucille smoked heavily for most of her adult life. So it's no surprise to me that hypertension is listed on her death certificate. The chemicals in tobacco smoke damage the structure of the body's main blood vessels and increase the risk of atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis is a disease in which a waxy substance called plaque builds up, leading to more resistance in the arteries, which, along with the direct effect of these chemicals, accelerates high blood pressure. Smoking would have impacted on Lucille's heart, but I can see something else from personal reports that seems bizarre. Was Lucille also inhaling a substance, often associated with sex? Hey, it's Dr. Michael Hunter. Did you know you can stream the autopsy television series on Roku and Fire TV? Well, you can. Just download the Reels app and subscribe to see the TV show behind this podcast. And if you've got Prime, it's on Amazon channels too. You could even find episodes like Gary Shandling, Tom Petty, and Batman's Adam West before they're released here. Autopsy comes from the real-life mystery fans at Reels Channel. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. World-renowned forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is investigating the death of America's first lady of comedy, Lucille Ball. On April 26, 1989, Lucille Ball died of a major rupture of her aorta in Los Angeles. I've discovered that years of smoking and hypertension are likely to have weakened her aorta. And I can see something else in her medical history that could have made the problems worse. Amyl nitrite. Four years before Lucille's death, 
remember we were playing backgammon one night and she seemed absolutely fine. All of a sudden she had a little shortness of breath. And she reached in, took out, what the hell is that? Poppers. Poppers were a sexual thing that certain people did back in the 80s, I've heard. The street name for amyl nitrite is poppers. Poppers are a strong smelling inhalant, often associated with sex. It gives a head rush high, which has been reported to improve sexual performance and experience. But its original purpose was as a prescription drug to treat angina, a pain or discomfort felt in the chest and caused by poor blood flow to the heart. The inhalation of amyl nitrite's strong vapors relaxes the body's blood vessels, making circulation easier and taking pressure off the heart, easing the pains. It's for this medical purpose that Lucy was using it. All of a sudden, she kind of like slumped in her chair. She fainted. Lee has no choice but to call 911. I was alone with her. It was a bit scary. The paramedics arrived to help her with her breathing. The paramedics, they were more interested in getting autographs than they were in reviving her. Could you make out the autograph to Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E? It was that kind of thing. Lucille soon recovers. With no medical records of how long or consistently Lucille used amyl nitrite, I can't conclude it had a major impact on her aorta. But what is worrying is that as early as 1984, four years before her death, Lucille Ball was using this inhalant to ease pains in her chest and heart. And that could be a warning sign of already established cardiovascular disease. Issues that I can see by May of 1988 would have become much more serious. It's the morning of May 10th, 1988, less than one year before Lucille's death. While she's putting on the final touches of her makeup, she loses control of her right hand. She thought something had fallen. Turned out that it was her arm. And so that's when she knew something was wrong. Lucille calls for help as the loss of feeling spreads to the right side of her face. Reports indicate that Lucille had a stroke at home on the morning of May 10th, 1988. All evidence suggests it was most likely an ischemic stroke. Ischemic strokes are the most common type of stroke. They occur when blood clots block the flow of blood and oxygen to the brain. These blood clots typically form in areas where the arteries have been narrowed or have degenerated over time. And that's often symptomatic of being a heavy smoker like Lucille. Luckily for Lucille, her stroke is not that severe. 
Lucille suffered a very slight stroke, affecting the right side of her body, leaving her with a speech impediment. She needed just five days in the hospital before she was sent home. I want to find out what other effects the stroke had on her health. She thought her mouth was crooked, that everybody would notice it. And that's what really bothered her. I think one of the most significant things to come out of the stroke was the fact that Lucille's speech was impacted. This is somebody that spoke for a living, right? She was able to make her livelihood because of this. So even if it was a minor speech impediment, I think it would have had a profound effect on her. But Lucille won't let a stroke keep her down and enlist the help of therapist Amos Netanel. We did some simple exercises to overall improve her cardiovascular condition. She was a tough cookie. She experienced a stroke late in life, yet she decides, no, this isn't going to break me. The same way I fought everything, I'm going to fight this. Within 11 months, Lucille bounces back and is in front of the cameras again. March 29th, 1989. Ladies and gentlemen, Lucille Ball, Bob It's four weeks before Lucille's death, and she's at the Oscar ceremony to present an award. Lucy got probably the biggest standing ovation of the 1989 Oscar ceremony. Lucille Ball, right there. The last public appearance was on the Oscars. You could certainly say she was a trooper that night and afterwards mingling with the people. I don't think anybody knew she was going to die a month later. Twenty-eight days before her death, Lucille was still the life of the party. There seems to be no long-term effects of the stroke, so what did cause her rapid demise? My investigation has discovered reports of a major setback for Lucille some two years before her life ended. And I want to find out what impact this had on her health. Desi Arnaz died today of lung cancer. He was 69 years old. He is best remembered by all of us as the husband of a redhead named Lucy. Lucille was devastated. They'd come to reconcile emotionally through the birth of their grandchildren. It was a sign that life as she knew it was coming to a conclusion. I always believed that when Desi died, Lucy started to die. I think Lucy died of a broken heart. You know, the notion of a broken heart is actually real. We can experience something so dreadful, so traumatic, that the ability of our own heart to function is affected. The medical diagnosis is broken heart syndrome. This is a temporary heart condition that's often brought on by stressful situations, such as the death of a loved one. It's thought that a surge of stress hormones, such as adrenaline, might temporarily damage the heart of some people. It's possible that Desi's death played a role in Lucille's heart problems, but it was two years before she died. So I need to find out more. Lucy did not die of a broken heart. She died of an aortic valve misfortune. That's what she died of, not a broken heart. 
Lucille had been happily married to comedian Gary Morton for 25 years by the time she had to deal with Desi's death. Gary and Lucy had a comfortable marriage because she was really married to Gary longer than she was married to Desi. But where Desi was the love of her life, I think Gary gave her support and comfort and security. Lucille had her own opinions on her marriage to Desi. I married a loser before. He, he could win, win, high, high, high stakes. He could work very hard. He was brilliant. But he had to lose. Lucille Ball died over two years after Desi Arnaz, so it's hard to make a direct link between these two events. But there is a chance that Lucille's emotional turmoil could have weakened her heart. However, I can see that eight days before her passing, Lucille complained of searing pains in her chest. But she took her time getting to the hospital. Could this seemingly insignificant delay have in fact played a very significant part in her death. The medical evidence surrounding the death of America's most beloved TV comedy legend, Lucille Ball, is being examined by renowned forensic pathologist, Dr. Michael Hunter. So far, I've discovered that after a stroke in 1988, Lucille Ball recovered despite her years of smoking and hypertension. And yet, on April 26, 1989, Lucille suffered an aortic rupture, a catastrophic blowout of the main blood vessel leaving the heart. How did Lucille suddenly die of this rare condition? April 18, 1989, eight days before Lucille's death, Lucille has a tearing sensation in her back and chest. I think that she just was suffering from severe pain. Must. Lucille is oblivious to the fact that her aorta is breaking down inside her body. Her family want to get her to the hospital as quickly as they can, but Lucille stalls. She wanted to look her best even to go to the hospital. Lucy was vain, you know, Lucy was vain. In my bag. At the hospital, doctors assess Lucille. I can see that when Lucille was admitted to the hospital eight days before she died, doctors diagnosed her with an acute aortic dissection. This is a disorder where a combination of high blood pressure and a weakness in the wall of the aorta causes it to tear allowing blood to leak into the passages between the layers of its wall. Those minutes Lucille spent getting ready allowed more blood to seep into the aorta's lining and could have caused further damage. Either way, Lucille needed life-saving surgery. At 2 p.m., the surgical team at Cedars-Sinai begins open-heart surgery. Reports on Lucille's operation tells me that her surgeons concentrated on repairing the key parts of her damaged aorta and heart. Using donor tissue, they replaced a damaged aortic valve and a five-inch segment of the first part of her ascending aorta, the major blood vessel that leaves the heart and supplies the body with blood. 
It was very touch and go there for a while because a lot of people who have those kind of things, they don't even have the opportunity to get into the operating room. They're like gone like that. Precise surgery is carried out on Lucille's motionless heart for over two hours as a bypass machine circulates blood and oxygen around her body. It was a shocking time for everybody. Surgeons discovered that much of Lucille's aorta had deteriorated. But if they had tried to replace the entire aorta, the operation itself would have been far too long and too risky. They safely replaced what they could and hoped that the damage to the parts of the aorta that could not be repaired could be aided with further therapy, such as blood pressure medication, allowing Lucille's fragile aortic wall time to heal. Lucille's operation involved over six hours of open-heart surgery. This was a challenging procedure that would have had a major effect on the aged heart of a 77-year-old woman. It's been a stressful night for friends and fans of actress Lucille Ball. This Ball's condition is guarded but, uh, but relatively stable. The doctors say they hope Miss Ball can recover completely. Doctors were optimistic about Lucille's recovery. But in just eight days, she would be dead. So what happened to cause this dramatic reversal in her prognosis? After just 24 hours, doctors upgrade Lucille's condition to stable. Everybody thought she was going to make it. And uh, I knew the seriousness of it, but I was hoping, you know. 5,000 fans per day flood the hospital with cards. Vigils are held for America's most loved comedian. The world was concerned for her. She was progressing. She was getting better. So it was hopeful. April 25th, 1989. A report from the spokesperson at the Cedars-Sinai Medical Center tells me that Lucia was sitting, eating, and her spirits were described as good. The day before Lucille's death, her close friend Paula pays her a visit. We would uh, just talk about the little things that were happening. She just looked at my nails. I gotta have a manicure. Give me a manicure. There were big signs all around, Lucy get well. All her fans were out there screaming and yelling, oh, Lucy, get better, get better, you know, where he would love you. Just amazing. At 5 a.m. on the morning of April 26, 1989, Lucille is asleep in her private room when something wakes her. The heart monitors alert Lucille's care team that something catastrophic is happening. She loses consciousness. Lucille deteriorated rapidly after suffering from massive internal blood loss into her abdominal cavity. Within minutes, Lucille's heart stops beating, and resuscitation becomes the priority. Resuscitating a heart that's recently undergone major surgery is challenging. Chest compressions can exert pressure and injure an already fragile area. However, if the only other option is death, doctors must prioritize getting the heart beating again. The team works to save Lucille for 47 minutes.
despite their heroic efforts, Lucille Ball was pronounced dead at 5.47 a.m. Lucy, the woman we all loved. She died today at the age of 77 of a ruptured blood vessel. What a shock. We thought she was doing better. Lucy is gone, but she'll always be with us. I love Lucy. Everybody loves Lucy. The whole world really suffered from losing her. She was that beloved. It's like losing, you know, losing faith. I have never in my life seen anything like the outpouring of love and grief. She was our Lucy and she was gone. The slow tearing of Lucille's aortic lining that had presented itself to doctors eight days earlier had ended in what reports refer to as an aortic blowout. Surgery could not fix all the damage to this major blood vessel. But what led to this damage? Lucille's death certificate states cystic medial necrosis as a contributing cause to her death. Cystic medial necrosis is the breakdown of muscle, collagen, and elastin in the large blood vessels throughout the body. When they lose this elasticity and support, it makes them more liable to tear and rupture. But Lucille seems so healthy just one month before her death. I want to investigate if there were any previously unknown causes of her heart problems. Could a mystery illness that she contracted when she was just 17 years old have played a part in the death of America's most loved Lucy? The legendary TV star Lucille Ball died on April 26, 1989, in a hospital in Los Angeles. She was 77 years old. Expert forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter has been examining the last hours of her life to find out what contributed to her death. Lucille Ball died of a major rupture of her aorta. After decades of heavy smoking and high blood pressure, her major arteries had degraded badly, and Lucille's would suffer an aortic blowout and fatal bleed. But were other factors involved? I'm intrigued by a mystery illness Lucille contracted as a 17-year-old. In 1928, a feverish Lucille had to be cared for by her family. She went to New York City and she basically, as a young, you know, late teenage years, evidently collapsed and she couldn't walk for a couple of years. The young Lucille suffered with severe pains in her legs. She was bedridden from the age of about 17 to 19. She wasn't exactly sure why. It might have been a rheumatic fever, might have been rheumatoid arthritis. She could never find out. Accounts of Lucille's illness in the 1920s describes two radically different medical conditions, rheumatic fever and rheumatoid arthritis. Rheumatic fever is a disease that typically develops after a streptococcal throat infection. It's thought the body's immune system that targets the bacteria causing the infection also starts to attack parts of the body, particularly the tissues of the joints and the heart. 
inflammation and pain can follow in the areas that are under attack and the knees and ankles are particularly susceptible. Rheumatoid arthritis is a much longer term condition, often lasting a lifetime. It can cause decades of pain and stiffness in the joints. By 1930, Lucille fully recovered from her mystery illness, throwing herself into physically demanding work. I don't think it had any lasting effect, because certainly Lucy was able to sing and dance and move and clown the rest of her life. Lucille led an active life, and when she died, displayed none of the joint deformities associated with the progressive nature of rheumatoid arthritis. To me, it seems much more likely that Lucille contracted rheumatic fever. Today, antibiotics treat the disease, but in the 1920s, they weren't available, and the condition was common. Interestingly, rheumatic fever also has a link with heart problems in later life, especially with the aorta and the aortic valve. Lucille's teenage illness could have caused her aortic valve to be deformed, creating turbulent blood flow inside the aorta. Over the decades, this would have weakened the aortic wall and increased the likelihood of a rupture, similar to the one that eventually killed Lucille Ball. Dr. Hunter believes he can now piece together the reason for Lucille's death. I think the theory that Lucille had rheumatic fever as a teenager and that this contributed to the problems she had with her aorta later in life has some credibility. But without access to any medical records of a teenage Lucille, I have no hard evidence that this was the case. But what the evidence does tell me is that years of hypertension and heavy smoking did have an impact on Lucille's cardiovascular system. In fact, over time, her aorta became so fragile that it started to tear leading to the aortic dissection stated on her death certificate. When surgeons operated on Lucille to repair the damage, they likely saw that much of this critical blood vessel looked vulnerable, but they could only risk replacing a short section of it, hoping the rest could be healed with medication. But the damage that had been caused over the decades was simply too much. The dissection that had started in the first part of the aorta near the heart had extended from Lucille's chest cavity to her abdomen. It was only a matter of time before the wall of her aorta would completely fail, leading to the fatal rupture and exsanguination. Dr. Hunter can now reveal what was happening in Lucille's body in the moments before her death. The aorta is such a dominant blood vessel that when it bursts, it would have bled out heavily into her abdominal cavity. With Lucille's body starved of blood and oxygen, her organs would shut down, leading to cardiac arrest and ultimately death. Lucille Ball, a woman who was a fighter for all her life, was still trying to battle back even after her major surgery but her heart had simply taken too many hits. Lucy's loss was our loss, leading some to call it the day comedy died.
The tributes began at 8 o'clock local time. Miss Ball showed us that life is not a tragedy, but a comedy with a happy ending. She taught us that if we could love Lucy, we could love ourselves. She was someone that fought for her career, fought for the way that women were seen, fought for her art, fought for her family, for, for her kids. And in the end, she did fight for her health, but it seems that it wasn't enough. Lucy was way more than a TV star. And that became very clear after she passed away. Lucy was almost part of the the psyche of, of this nation. Remember that name. Myra Batamidimac. Lucy has made the world laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. How could you not love her forever? you enjoyed this episode of autopsy don't forget to subscribe at podcastone.com with the podcast one app or at apple podcasts then go to reels.com that's r-e-e-l-z.com for clips extras and more from the tv version of the series including reenactments and autopsy photos you'll only see on reels channel find reels on your tv at reels.com i'm dr michael hunter 